Hey, it's Rick here. I just wanted to put in a content warning here at the top of the episode. Uh, this is a movie that deals with themes of rape and incest, and we do have to talk about uh, Harvey Weinstein a bit. So if you are uh, going to be at all triggered or upset by that, this might be one to sit out. We totally understand. Join us again next week. We'll be happy to have you back for The Sixth Sense. So uh, have a good one. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Good night, you princes of Maine. You kings of the greatest movie of all time. Today on the podcast, The Cider House Rules. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the big Italian, Rick Barrasso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, headbanger Derek. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help decide which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's starting to get warm, starting to get nice. I'm liking it. Ah. But let's get going because we are continuing our journey into the best picture nominees from the year 2000 with the Cider House rules. But mm. before we get to that, let's talk about last week. In our last episode, we took our second Stephen King deep dive with the Green Mile. I think it was one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. You can check that out and all of our library on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever app that you like to use for podcasts, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show if you do that. And you can always reach out to us on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at Great Moviecast on Twitter. We are at Rick and Rec on Instagram, the gram. And you can email us at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our old friend Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. So we've uh, survived our turn in the electric chair last week. And now we are weirdly going to Maine <laughs> instead after the Stephen King episode. Yes. And that is the Cider House Rules. Cider House Rules, the 1999 drama. Uh, it's directed by Lassie Hallstrom. It stars Tobey Maguire as Homer Wells, Michael Caine as Wilbur Larch, and Charlize Theron as Candy Kendall. It's got a 7.4 in the Internet Movie Database, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 75 on Metacritic. Derek, if I remember correctly, this is the first time you saw this movie, correct? Yes, this is the... I actually watched it today for the first time. So... I have a feeling that it was my, my first time seeing it as well. Uh, I had heard that, uh, that scene that I, or that line that I used uh, up top. And I, I, was, I was really under the impression, I was like, this is a movie about a school for some reason. But it is not. Not about a school at all. Nope. Uh, so now we're going to do something I think that might be needed more so than some of our other episodes. And that is when Derek... Instead of using a stopwatch or a clock or any sort of numbers-based thing, is going to put 30 seconds like a normal human would. Play a song on Spotify to time me up for 30 seconds. And Derek, what song are you using today? Doing Young Americans by David Bowie. All right, there are quite a few young Americans in this movie, so let's rock and roll. Count me down. Two, one, go. Homer Wells is raised in an orphanage and trained to be an OBGYN by Dr. Wilbur Larch. He disagrees that abortions are necessary. He meets an unmarried couple, Candy and Wally, who arrive to get the procedure and leaves them to work on Wally's family orchard. Homer begins an affair with Candy after Wally is called to war. After discovering one of his co-workers and pregnant his own daughter, he performs an abortion. Rose, the daughter, runs off and stabs her father. Candy eventually chooses to be with Wally. Dr. Larch dies of an accidental overdose of ether, and Homer returns to the orphanage to be the doctor on staff. 
30 seconds on the dot. Beautiful. All right. So that's what I was oh. saying ether earlier and I was corrected by say some Gia said it was ether. I think they say ether in the movie. Is it ether? Okay. Just want to make sure. So that's what happens in the movie. It's uh it's a very, very Oscar Beatty movie. There's a there's a lot thrown at the wall on this one. I yeah, I feel like I, I don't I don't know. I don't I still don't know how I feel about it. We'll we'll get into it. I have a I have a theory and it's probably it's gonna be a common one that we run into as we as we do these Oscar bait type movies and it's there's one credit in the movie that i think is largely responsible for getting the uh, the nominations that this one got especially in such a stacked year but we'll get to that when we get to another category but for now let's talk about what we liked about the movie uh, and we do that each week we list our top three favorite scenes Derek, what is your number three scene? Before I give you my favorite scenes, yep. I will tell you that all three of my scenes have all the same element in them. And okay. you figure that out by the time I get to my first one. Okay. My third favorite scene, I was, and again, when I say favorite scene, it's just scenes that I think they, that, that yeah. po- sequence think, part yeah, of the movie. We, yeah. yeah. But the third one I, I liked the most was Fuzzy's death scene. Okay. Um, I, I was really sad by this. Uh, Fuzzy's a minor character, a little boy who has like some some sort of like bronchial problem. Played by the played by the youngest brother at Malcolm in the Middle. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, uh, Doctor Larch is showing him a film. Uh, it was a King Kong again, and uh, little Fuzzy looks up and that gives him a little smile, and then uh, the movie starts screwing up. Doctor Larch looks over and Fuzzy's not breathing. He's dead. And uh, it just, it just came, to, I thought it was sort of a random thing in the movie, but I, it, it did pack a little bit of an emotional punch and I felt, I felt bad for the kid. Um, so I, I thought that was, this is probably my third favorite scene. The, the, yeah, that, that was a good scene. I am kind of surprised that of all the stuff that happens in this movie, we don't get Homer reacting to Fuzzy's death. Yeah. Well, you're going to learn too, with, especially with my favorite scenes that like, I, I didn't necessarily think there were a lot of great scenes in this movie. Yeah, um, I, I agree. This is not my favorite movie that we've done. I think I'm, I'm glad we were watching it because and I'm glad we're doing an episode on it because it does give us a movie that is what we're going to run into a lot. I mean, we're going to do every movie ever made. We promise. And we're, we're going to run into a lot where it's, you know, there's going to be movies that are like, I think this movie, I mean, I mean, we'll get to it, but like, it's good. It's fine. But it's, it doesn't have like too many great scenes, right. I think. Yeah. But I think there's some good ones. My third favorite scene is the scene in which Dr. Larch fools the board into thinking he doesn't want Homer to be the new doctor. Yeah. I didn't even catch it until I, it was afterwards when I read. Yeah. I had to read the, the Wikipedia and, it, and then it said that. So he's like, look at this kid. He's like, he's made up this story that, yeah, Homer's like off in you know Africa somewhere. I think it was the, being a doctor, and he's like, ah, oh, we could never have this guy. I don't know what fucking Michael Caine's accent was in this movie, but excellent you know. point. Uh, we'll, we'll I'll get into that. yeah, no, yeah. This is now. this is now. Like, let's you know what this is going to be one. I have two least favorite parts, but this is this is one of them. What the fuck are the accents? What's happening? With I these don't people? know what's happening. And, and and keep in mind, Michael Caine won the Oscar for this. Won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He and his accent was just very bizarre. It what was, was it? Out. What was it even supposed to be? Just be Michael Caine. Just, like that. I, I just wanted to be like, just do a Sean Connery, and be a fucking Scottish Spaniard or a Scottish Russian. Or be just just be Cockney Michael Caine instead of yeah, doing. I don't know. What are you doing? What was it supposed to be? And nobody has any Maine or New England accents at all. Right? No, they don't. It's very bizarre. Right, but he's. I mean, he's Michael Caine. He's like he's charming and he's and and everything like that. But in this funny scene, he's like he's like ah, oh, we'd never want a guy like this. This that's a pretty good approximation of the accent, actually. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah. we could, we would never want a guy like this. He's uh, you know, he's yeah, he he doesn't have his boots on the like. He doesn't understand what we do here. And he's like, of if, course. If you, did a, if, you did, if you did a recast, I'm excited to hear it. I didn't do one for Michael Caine. Okay. But right. you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it preemptively now. Just do Sean Connery and have him be Sean Connery. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just have him do full, full Connery. What's your, uh, what's your number two scene? Dr. Uh, Dr. Wilbur Larch's death scene. Uh, yeah. I thought uh, it was very interesting. 
Uh, he was addicted to the ether, ether, whatever the hell it's called at this yep. point. And uh, I wasn't sure if he had died from bleeding out from his hand or if he died because of ingesting too much of that shit. So I wasn't entirely sure watching it. But um, I, I knew at some point he was going to die just because every time he was using that, I thought he was going to die. Yeah. Just the way he like, like you know. He- they just set it up. And they, they set it up where Homer is like taking like taking the, the thing away from him. And like people are always like taking it away from his mouth. It's like it's a fucking like, like a blue velvet for, for those of you who haven't seen. It's like a blue velvet like <laughs> – like suck it in gas mask like an oxygen right. mask and, and you yeah. know his his death scene was pretty good but i still don't think it packed an emotional punch and i feel like the book is better than the movie i mean like it usually is i mean the, the novel Could has be. to be better because there's got to be details and, and deeper backstories because i still don't really feel like i know any of these characters or really what the hell's going on half the time um, or more, 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 more so why? Like, I feel like the story is just there to be a story or whatever. But anyways, that's my number two. Yeah. My number two is the sort of cross edited, like where Homer and Dr. Larch are writing letters to each other. And I just thought it was like really interesting editing. And that, that's really all like I, I thought it was. It was like, it, it starts with like long drawn out, like I'm reading this letter that I'm writing to you. And then as it, as they're, exchanging letters it's edited to be like a conversation and i just i thought that was a really clever way to do it yeah definitely i did i did enjoy that yeah so i mean that, and toby mcguire is a, you know a year away from spider-man and i i did love that uh, jk simmons yep. does have like kind of a cameo and it's yeah, like he's in what i think he's in like two scenes yeah he plays shirley Theron's father and it's like i don't even think he has a line yeah, but it's like, so, yeah, it's like, about. oh, it's like, here's this incredible future actor, like future Oscar winning actor, like in a movie with like a, the person who is maybe most famous for having scenes with. Right. And it's just like, I mean, not yet, but like, it's like, oh, this is, did they just like, I, I honestly wonder if it was like, oh, we need an extra to like fill out this part and told me where I was like, actually, I get this guy who's been filming Spider-Man. Like, can you bring him in, do him a favor? Like wow, it's, yeah, it's. Yeah. It's it's bizarre to have like that kind of face and that smaller role, right? But, well, it, if it, definitely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I thought, yeah, I thought the editing was really good in that scene. I thought, you know, that's probably probably Michael Caine's best acting in the movie, my my opinion, because yeah. it's there's this there's this like underlying, and it's like they they spell it out at the end where it's just like, oh, he didn't want you to leave, and it's like, well yeah, you didn't have to tell us that because you've been showing that. And like, there's right, this, right. you know, and at the end, the nurse, uh, you know, nurse woman from Edward Scissorhands is like, I I think he like thought he needed you. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, we get it. Like, that's what the movie's been about. Wait a minute. Was she like the really sexy one from- Edward She was the one, she was the one who, yeah, she was the one who tried to have sex with, with oh, Edward. Oh, shit. I knew yeah. she looked familiar and I was like, who is that lady? Yeah. Wow. Wow, transformation. Yeah. So what's your, uh, what's your number one scene? So my number one uh, is Mr. Rose's death scene. Okay. So like I said, there was an element of, <laughs> there's a, these are three death scenes yeah. I have here. Yeah. Um, his little uh, dialogue or a little monologue at the end when he's sitting on, that, sitting on the bed and he's got that, that knife wound and he's talking about how he made it worse and he's, he's explaining what he wants them to do with the cops and everything. And I just thought uh, Delroy Lindo's acting was tremendous Yes. Uh, in this scene. I thought he nailed it. He nailed the death scene. Uh, and another scene that he did wonderfully in is when, uh, you know, when he was standing up and walking towards Tobey Maguire's character earlier in the movie and explained that the rules don't matter because those people don't live here. The ones who made yeah. the rules. Um, and I, I just thought he was a great character all the way through, but I thought his death scene was just, even though you learn to dislike this man so much, yeah. um, very powerful acting. And it, yeah, and I, I think he's by far the, the best part of the movie. Um, I, I, I agree. Well, I mean, spoilers for whatever, spoilers, but like, spoilers, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because the, the movie's about him, really, like the title of the movie, The Cider House Rules, is basically like the message of the movie, I feel like is, yeah, we make our own rules. And like, even, even if like the rules you have as a human are disgusting, you know, that's, you don't necessarily follow anybody else's rules. Right. And, it, yeah. There wasn't a lot of comical scenes. Like, I think there was some funny scenes here and there, but the funniest m- part of the movie for me was when they're talking about the root, when they actually spell out the, the rules. 
And yeah. Like the, the, not going on the roof. Like I thought that was the funny yeah. part. Yeah. Why don't you just say don't go on the roof? Yeah. Yeah. So my number one scene is uh, it's another Mr. Rose scene. It's actually the scene where it comes to light that he is the father of his daughter's child. You know, right. and that he that he's committed incest with his daughter, and it's a great moment for like I think Erica Badu is really good in this movie. She yeah, like I agree. She like I was I was surprised at how good she was for you know just being a singer in a movie. Oftentimes that doesn't go well, right? Um, but she did really well. But it's that great moment where she tells Charlize Theron's character what has happened without telling her, just by kind of like flashing her eyes at him, and then. It's a great scene for Charlize as well because she runs, she has her moment where she tells Tom McGuire, which is, you know, and then I, the really the best part about it to me though is I think it's, it's Tom McGuire's best moment in the movie and Delroy Lindo's because it could so easily be played differently, you know, because if, if I found something like that out about someone I was, you know, a coworker or an acquaintance or something like that. I would go up to him and be like, you fucking disgusting piece of shit. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm going right. to go immediately, like, get out of here before you get fucking arrested. But it's, it's played like, I think Homer's character is not that. And the fact that it was like, hey, is, is this true? Like, they seem to know this. Like, this, is, this isn't okay. And he's just like, and, and, and Del Orlando's just like, again, it's not like a screaming match necessarily. Because right. he, like, the... I mean, there's kind of like an unstated racial, like racial thing in this movie, but like he doesn't want to, like his whole thing is like, I don't want to cause a scene basically if I don't have to. Right. Yep. And yeah, it, it's, it, it like everyone gets to, to like get in on it and have have a great scene. So that's my number one. I think it's really, to me, the only really great scene in the movie, but let's, uh, let's go to least favorite part. What was your least favorite part of the movie, Derek? So the, I have two things and, yep. um, and I actually, uh, I, I, this was so obvious to me and I didn't even write it down, but you, what you said like earlier about uh, Michael Caine's uh, accent, which is, I didn't, yeah. write the, I didn't even write that down, which is kind of crazy. But uh, two things, one of them, this was kind of like, the movie never really arrived anywhere for me. There wasn't enough um, emotional punch or a point to the movie. Um, there's even a point to a movie like Goodfellas where it's just like, hey, here's the mafia, here's what happens. It still arrives somewhere to me. Uh, or a movie like Dazed and Confused. Like, again, there's no plot. It's just, here are some people in the 70s doing their thing. This movie had different scenes and, and, a, and a story, but at the end, I was like, all right, okay, he's back there. And he's back. And I get it. I, I know what it's about. And I get, I just felt like it needed something else. It needed another something about it. I couldn't, that, that X factor to make this like a phenomenal movie. It's, it's it weirdly, like the, the message of what it is, becomes kind of muddled yeah like well, it's and what is that like a you know go, go, go where you belong type thing or well it's i think it's trying to say like three things like not at, at once and they all kind of like just like mesh together and it's not super clear i think number one like like we just talked about is like okay we make our own rules right you know and then but it's also like do what you're called to do because this whole thing with mr rose and like uh, people's like you know, asking Homer, like, what's your business? What's your business? And eventually he goes, I'm in the doctor business. And then he, right, right. Right before he performs the, the abortion. Yep. And it's, it's also about like abortions good. Like, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-choice, but it's like, that's well, such, I don't, I don't think it was abortion good. I think it was like, Hey, these women need help. And we're just, gonna, yeah, we're, right. We're, and, we're yeah, gonna I'm do, simplifying that, yeah, but the, that's, yeah. yeah, these are humans and we're going to help these humans get the, what they need. You know what I mean? I actually was right. stupidly enough at 33 years old. I did not know that uh, abortion was illegal at some point. I mean, I guess well, that's uh, yeah. Rovers is Wade. Yeah. I mean like, um, yeah, it's one of those things where it kind of passed me by, but the other thing that bothered me a little bit is I feel like they were building up something with the character Buster played by Karen Culkin. Um, he had mentioned at one point that he's like, you know, Oh, I found my parents, you know, so I can kill them. And then he's like, you know, I'd never kill anybody. Right. And he's like, yeah. And then later on, um, Tommy McGuire's character, Homer leaves and there's uh, Buster in the corner, like next to a tree, like carving, it looks like he's carving something out of wood. It looks very sharp. He's going to make something sharp out of that piece of wood. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, something's going to happen with Buster. And then nothing happens with him. And I didn't really get the direction there. Um, it was just kind of 
pieces of the puzzle, but the puzzle was never completed. I just didn't get it. So I put it down as, as my worst. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, I, f- I almost feel like some of the kids in the orphanage could have been just combined into one character. Maybe. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, what, what's Duffy? What's his, what's his name? The kid, the kid that died, the one that near. Oh, um, fuzzy. Fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. Fuzzy. So I forgot, fucking forgot the character's name. That's how much of an impact this movie made. Right, right. Yeah. Like, uh, fuzzy and Buster. And the like that that other little kid that's running around whose name I don't even remember. Yeah, or oh, the one that's like that threw up because of eating all the pies. Yeah, was, like, the the, the one that goes up to to Paul Rudd and is like, yeah, I'm the yeah. best. Like I'm that the kid. Best. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those those characters all could have been one character. I feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And you could like you could have spent more time with the the girl. The girl. Who, I didn't get the girl. Like she she, she just like she, has she has a crush on him. And like, it's that's so it. insignificant. Yeah. And she's slapping herself in the face in the mirror at one point. And I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. where, where's What's this going, going now? And, and then it doesn't ha- nothing happens again. It's just like random scenes of like, uh Oh, something might happen, but we're not going to do that. I, I do wonder this, this goes to your point. I, I bet these characters are more explored in the book. I've never read it, but it yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. And also I have a surprise for you later on in the episode. Okay. Cool. Yep. And also, this goes to my least favorite thing about the movie. And that is, I told you before, we were going to get to there's one credit that I feel is responsible for this movie getting the Oscar nominations it did. And that credit is Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, despite being a fucking, I believe, convicted rapist. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly if he's not convicted. Not to mention piece of shit. Yeah. Human shit stain Harvey Weinstein was so he had two rep, three reputations, I guess, in Hollywood. Number one, fucking sex pest piece of shit. Yeah. And most importantly, fuck you, Harvey Weinstein. Two, Harvey Scissorhands. He would go in and he'd edit the fuck out of movies. Right. All right. And I bet there's more more of these characters these like nothing characters in a non harvey weinstein version like a pre-weinstein version where it's like oh we get this movie could have been an hour longer and probably better if they had another hour to explain things but anyway it it could be it could be but then it's like then it would be too unwieldy but maybe yeah yeah but like he goes in and he chops shit out but he like leaves weird vestigial things in there like these these characters that don't really do anything and his his third reputation hollywood is that he fucking full court pressed the academy to get his to get his movies uh nominations right right he put so much pressure on these people to be like like ran these campaigns so hard and that's where you get these like oscar bait type movies and you and some and you know that's not always a bad thing because that's where you get movies that I really like like Goodwill Hunting mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have had the Oscar success it did if not for Harvey Weinstein right so it's that aspect of and you take the good with the bad and this is I think something that didn't didn't work out so well especially in a year where we went through at the beginning of last week's episode all the movies that are, were not that were not nominated for best picture right and ones you know, that are easily easily knocking on the door of the of the Oscars and didn't even make it. Right. Uh, like is this like honestly. Just take just take two. The Matrix and Fight Club. I was going to say yeah, it, it, Fight Club. Like I can't believe Fight Club wasn't in there. Right? It, especially with the performances that movie has. I can't believe The Spy Who Shagged Me was not in the Oscars that year. <laughs> honestly? Like <laughs> like I mean, the Oscars don't like comedy, but let's you know, do we want to have a fucking Mike Myers conversation? Yeah, you know? Should he should he be recognized? Because he's hilarious in that movie. I mean, the the addition of Fat Bastard Man. I mean, just Doctor Evil alone. Alone, Doctor Evil. It's it's. I mean, here's the here's the real question: Is Michael Caine better in this or in Austin Powers Three? <laughs> Austin Powers Three. Yeah. Easily. One hundred percent. And I like Michael Caine in this movie. I think he's fine, except for his fucking accent. Well, the thing to remember is that the Oscar that he won was the size of a tangerine. But anyway, yeah, like the fact that we have to deal with this. And again, I hate going back to it because there's so many shitheads throughout Hollywood. But like, you know, 
Harvey just looming over this movie and like everything. This is such a quintessential Oscar Beatty, Miramax, mid-level indie style movie, right? Yeah. This is exactly this. He ate this shit up. But yeah, Harvey Weinstein, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself hard. Yeah. Die in prison, you fuck. <laughs> anyway, let's go to medals. Uh, who's, your, who's your bronze? So preemptively, I just want to say, um, I actually mail washed the, the top three. And I just want to make a point of saying that uh, I, don't like to, I don't like to do that. Sometimes I just have three, three males up there and, I, and I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not a sexist person. I just think that Erica Badu did a good job. And I think I've seen Charlize Theron do, do better things. And specifically, right before this, she has a, a home run performance in The Devil's Advocate. And then right after this in Monster. How, how fucking crazy is it? that in the devil's advocate she's like the ugly boring wife like that's that like that's out of control i mean ugly i don't know what ugly well that's that's the thing her character in the movie is like ah keanu you're getting real tired of fucking charlize theron huh yeah i mean she she kills it in that movie and then she kills it in monster right after this so i think this was like the in-between like stepping stone she had to take she didn't you know i I don't think necessarily she she could have been you know she could have been recast easily in this movie is in my opinion but she's beautiful and she's awesome and i'm glad she was in it but my number three goes to toby mcguire um i think he's good in this i think he's good in this i I, he's a pleasure to watch on screen but i do think that 90 percent of the time he's just toby mcguire in the movie yeah uh and 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 maybe everything except for the movie brothers where he takes a fuck he just takes a conniption when he comes home and finds out that jake gyllenhaal has been banging his wife and he goes in a mad jake gyllenhaal does not bang his wife in that movie he thinks he does they like kiss once well, I haven't seen. I saw it once, and it was a long time ago. But all yeah. I know is that Tobey Maguire's performance in that was the only time I've ever seen him like out of Tobey Maguireness. Um, but he does a good job in this movie. He he carries the whole movie all the way through. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's Toby, and yeah. good job. Here's your bronze medal. I, yeah. So, um, ditto basically. Like he's bronze medal for me, Tobey Maguire. By the way, uh, honorable mention to Paul Rudd, who strictly gets an honorable mention because this movie was 20 plus years ago now and he He has aged 25 minutes in that time he looks the same he looks exactly the same like i think i think when paul rudd's like 92 he's gonna look very similar to the way he does in this movie it's wild like he's he looks i watched clueless relatively recently and he looks a little bit younger in clueless you know but that was what like 95 Right. He's he's aged five years in thirty years. It's yeah. it's baffling. It's crazy. You got that face. But, you got that. Yeah. But yeah, good good for him, I guess. But yeah, Tobey Maguire. He's I I would say I think this movie probably and the attention this movie got probably got him Spider Man or a lot of attention as as far as getting Spider Man. Yeah. And you know I I mean who I don't know maybe they, I don't know the shooting schedule but uh, it was it was right before the year before so. And, you know. and this this movie came out January seventh, two thousand, um, which I just saw a little while ago. So it actually was not in nineteen ninety nine, but of course it's still in that category. Or that oh, was it okay? Like, yeah, I just had the nine a few few minutes ago. All right, sure. But clearly, but, it was filmed in ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's 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 good. He's the main character. He has he has some good scenes. He yeah, kind of ties the movie together, like a, very much like a rug in the Big Lebowski. But yeah, who's your uh, who's your silver? Uh, so yeah, I, my silver is Michael Caine. I thought Michael Caine did a good job. He he was very good as the character. My only gripe was his accent was in and out throughout the movie. Sometimes I believed him, sometimes I didn't believe him. The real but, Michael Caine accent creeps in a few times. Yeah, he's got that voice, you know, like that, like Nosferatu's shadow on the wall. It just kind of right. creeps in where he's like, Homa. Like it's it's yeah yeah, yeah it's almost there and. But I do think that beyond that, watching some of the scenes he's in and him talking to different characters and explaining things and doing that whole thing that he does with the boys and says, you're the princes of Maine and, and you know, all that stuff is, is really great. He did a good job. Um, usually I, I look at Michael Caine as just that old Br- British guy or yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, this, in this movie, he was a little bit different and I appreciated that. So I think uh, he gets my silver there. Yeah, uh, my silver and with Shirley Theron. I think she's... And again, this is like, other than, than Gold, who I think we agree on, I think you could have basically put, I don't think there's much difference between a lot of these. Like, I think they're just like, everyone comes in 
and make has a pretty good performance. I I liked her in this movie. I think she's generally kind of an underrated actress just because she's like a ton of like action movies. And right. I feel like that's that's what people think of her in first. But I think she's like she's a great actress and she she just gets, you know, probably you know more I think more opportunity uh, I mean, in this she, movie than some other she's people. She's done with this movie and she goes on to Monster and yeah. plays Eileen Warnos and she is fantastic. Yeah. So she really shows her range right after this movie. Yeah, and I th- I think she's like you, you definitely she she I think she builds a character where you get all right, this is this kid's first love and yeah, that's what you would want as your first love, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I could have you know. seen Christina Ricci in this role. I could have seen a lot of actresses. It's just like, you know, be that. Like, I can't, I don't want to be alone and this and that. There wasn't a whole lot to her. We don't know really what she is. We just know that she's the female, the main female in the movie. So, and, and I, I put that right to the director. And again, I, I'd like to actually, maybe someday I'll read the novel and be like, wait a minute. She has some, yeah. she has quite the backstory and was not seen in the movie. So, yeah. And she, like, that, that's the thing, the one thing, and this goes to everyone's accent in this movie. You know, I, I feel like I've met fucking, like, daughters of fishermen from New England, and they do not sound like Charlize Theron in this movie. <laughs> right, right. I, I forgot that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fishermen. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It, it, every, if you go to Maine, you just, everywhere you look is just a picture of a lobster. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a lobster. Like, I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Some of this It's, ho- it's Hollywood. Movie. It's Hollywood. Yeah, sure. So, uh, gold, Derek. Delroy Lindo. Yeah. Delroy Lindo gets my gold. He was the best part of this movie. I've seen him in a few other things. I just can't really think about them right now or, or figure out what they were. But uh, he was just – he was very good. I, 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 like, I like dissecting and watching scenes and watching how their eyes shift and the way they, they say specific words. And every scene he was in, I was, like, intrigued by the way he, he, he – was. and I think that – We'll talk about this later, and I'm, I'm going to say it now just because we've been doing this all episode anyway. We're just preemptively saying things. But I think Delroy Lindo gets the uh, – at least gets a nom for me for Best Supporting Actor because he was tremendous. I would absolutely put him in above Michael Caine. If we're, if I, we're, if we're putting him – like, listen, like if, if we're really putting him in over – you know, if, if, if it's got to be somebody from this movie, it's going to be – I mean, he's my gold as well. You yeah. Know, but – because he's the only one with really like an arc, I feel like everybody, yeah. everybody. Else, I mean, Charlize Theron to an extent, because like the way you feel about her might change when she, you know, starts her affair with Homer. But like Daryl Lindo, he starts off super likable, and I was almost like rolling my eyes, where it's gonna be like, oh, this is gonna be. We're not gonna talk about race at all. Like this is just gonna be like, oh, the white guy who gets along with all the black guys. Right. And the I was like, okay, like, and we're going to congratulate ourselves for being progressive when it's not. And like, these people are not going to be characters and it's going to piss right. me off. But he like ends up, he's so likable at the beginning that you don't want to hate him. Even after you find out he's raping his own daughter. Yeah. It's very strange the way they do that and, and they do it. And you know what? I was almost kind of fine with it because not fine with, I mean, of course I wasn't fine with it, but I was fine with myself liking him at the end. You know right, I mean? you you don't want to see him like get stabbed. You know, you want to see him repent almost, right, even though right. like the his actions are disgusting. Yeah, and, and, and you know, yeah, and and there's movies, and I, I've had this discussion before, and maybe we can dig deep into this too. Is that you know when when you're looking at a movie and you're looking at characters, there's always a couple of characters in the movie where you're like, well, that's the character everybody wants wants to play or should be playing because that's yeah. the one that has the most juice to it. Um, yeah. And you know something like we go back to the Green Mile, like characters like Percy and and uh, yeah. and and Wild Bill, like those are the characters you really want to play and, and dig your teeth into. I think Mr. Rose was the only character in this movie that like. As an as somebody who who acts you know in, in theater and stuff like I'd want to play that role. Well, obviously I can't if, if it's if it's African American, but it's kind of like the yeah. Joker. It's like everybody who plays the Joker is somewhat going to be in the limelight because of the character. The yeah, character's so big. Uh, everyone's got a Hamlet. You know, who's yeah and, yeah, and and Mr. Rose is that in this movie. Yeah. He's the one that it was. Oh, what a good character! It was written well. Yeah, I think more could have been done with Homer. Oh, like yeah, I think absolutely. I think, and that segues into recasting. Derek, did you have any recasting? All right, here's my surprise for you, Rick. Yep. I did not recast this movie, but I did do, uh, the, for the second time ever, I did a continuation. 
Okay. And either this can be a continuation of the movie, which would make it extra, extra long, or this would be the sequel. All right. So this is, this is, a, this is kind of a lot, and I will get through it as fast as I can. I wrote this about an hour and a half ago, and I did it in about five minutes. All right. <laughs> All right. Homer receives letters from Candy, and she misses him. Though Wally is back, he is paralyzed and suffers from PTSD. Homer and Candy meet up frequently, most of the time for an intimate relationship. Wally finds out and ultimately ends his own life. Candy now needs Homer more than ever. Homer's life begins to spiral due to him feeling guilty about Wally. He becomes addicted to the ether or ether like Dr. Larch was. Homer becomes distant at the home. Buster, played by Karen Culkin, gets older and by the time he's 18 begins really acting out and committing crimes. Buster almost kills one of the nurses in a, in a bit of rage about them holding out info on his parents. So they had info on his parents and they didn't give it to him until he was 18. Uh, the nurse survives the incident and Homer covers up the incident. Homer again has to realize where he belongs and why he is there. He helps Buster find his parents and begins acting like a big brother to him. And that's kind of where I left off. <laughs> uh, so it was just I was my really, mind. I was really hoping it would just switch into like, and it turns out Buster's father is Joe Pesci from Home Alone, even though it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, you know it's, what? It's Harry Lyme from Home Alone, and he's he's going to get revenge on Kevin McAllister. Well, because I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to fit in that Buster thing because I felt like it, it it was almost there in the movie, and then it wasn't. There's a lot of ways you could go it, forward with this story because there's a lot that could still be told. I, the the only story I want to see continued is Rose Rose. Like that's yeah, if you're going to make a movie, like make it. She's the main character. Like Rose, some somebody interesting. Rose Rose runs away, and then she be, she gets married to uh, Jamie Fox and Django Unchained, and that story starts. There we go. That's that's the movie. Yeah, even though even though Django, we're, we're know, all, I mean, Home, Home Alone and Django are like fifty years ahead of and behind this movie, respectively. So, sure. Uh, well, this, I, I will <laughs> say part of this was I did feel like the beginning of of my sequel story is I feel like um. You know, somebody like Wally could have, I mean, PTSD, he's paralyzed, he's depressed. Yeah. He finds out that Candy, you know, number one, he can't give Candy what she wants anymore or something that she needs as a, as a person. And Candy misses Homer. I feel like that story could have happened and developed in that style. That's, and That's like the one, like, Oscar bait bingo card that they, you know, space they didn't fill is, is PTSD. Right. Yeah. In this yeah. movie, it's like, all right, we get, uh, you know, we get. Un unacceptable sexual relationship we've got racial relations we've got like a doctor and we've got a british actor what's the fifth one like it's yeah almost and, and oscar I, bingo and i'll tell you one thing there you know i would number one have would have loved to have seen paul rudd go insane in this movie and number two i didn't know where this was going earlier in the movie i i actually thought at one point that paul rudd's character was gay yes and i that, did too on the beach on the beach, and then yeah. there was a moment where he looked at he looked at a Homer, and it, it was kind of a silence and a stare and for a couple of seconds, and it was like it was a second too long to the point where I was like, "All right, this, this must be a thing." So I, I, I was waiting if, for that to develop, you know. It would not shock me if that's how Paul Rudd was playing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't yeah. think it's in the text of the movie, but I think it's definitely in that performance. Well, and again, she got an abortion, right? So like, yeah. there was obviously some talk of like, well, we don't want this. This isn't a thing. I mean, I, it could be, you know. Uh, well, I mean, they were unmarried, and, right, and like right. that was that, that that I took that on face value. But yeah, man, if uh, Wally is secretly gay or secretly bi, like, it, I'm that's a way way more interesting than what's happening at the orphanage. Yeah, agreed, a hundred percent. You know, in this movie, so yeah, that's I I did have that thought as well. But they like they don't go anywhere with it. But yeah, so I my recasting. And again, I think if Tobey Maguire is good in this movie, but if you get someone who maybe puts a little bit more of a spin on it or a different sort of spin on it, I think it ends up better. So I've got two options recasting Homer. One is the guy that always gets brought up when we're potentially recasting Tobey Maguire, and that's Jake Gyllenhaal. Definitely. Or uh, Batman Begins pre-union, get Christian Bale in there. Interesting. Okay. He'd be, he'd be a little bit older, but you could make him look young, I feel like, still. Well, do you know who was cast in the role before Toby? I don't. Uh, DiCaprio was the, the the big one, and he 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 did not at the I guess I don't know if he was specifically cast, but he he turned the role down, and I think he recommended Toby because they're like best buddies. Yeah, they're like they're in the Pussy yeah. Posse together. The Pussy Posse. For those of you who don't know, the Pussy Posse is a group of young Hollywood people from this era, including Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire, who would uh, you know you figure it out from the name, but yeah, they're 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 best buddies. 
But and, I, yeah. and, and, and somebody like DiCaprio, no offense to Tobey Maguire, but somebody like DiCaprio, for me, can make a boring character really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I take DiCaprio over, over Toby in this, this role. I don't think, especially at that point, you know, coming off of Titanic, that DiCaprio had, like, the edge that the Gyllenhaal or Bale would have. And I think that, that would make it a little bit different. So, uh, Twitter follow of the week. Believe it or not, Michael Caine has a Twitter. Oh, boy. We're following Michael Caine. You should follow him, too. He's, from his recent tweets, he's very pro-vaccination. So, again, he's, uh, he's on the right side of uh, medical history, uh, like yes. he is in this movie. Let's go to uh, maybe one of the harder times I think we've had with this, uh, this category, you know, what this movie does better than any other. You know, did you have anything for this? So the, for the first time in history of this podcast, I don't think this movie does anything better than any other movie. I had, I think it's the best secret pro-choice movie. Okay. It's, it kind of like springs it on you, you know, like it's, uh, I, I think. And, and, you know, I personally agree with the message. And, you know, I, I, was, I was happy to see that, like, from the beginning, kind of like the wise old you know, mentor character was like, hey, no, this is necessary in a lot of cases. I, I read in the summary of the movie right before I started it where it's like they disagree about abortion. And I was like, oh, this old fogey is going to be against it. And like this young kid was, was going to be like pro. And right. I was like, oh, no, it's opposite. So I was like, I, that was. And that might be the shining moment of the movie is that this, this young kid is really against it. And then when a woman needs it the most, he comes in and says, I'm going to help you. Yeah. You know, so that, that you know. Yeah, he, he, he puts his own prejudices uh behind them but let's talk about the oscars and that's that's why we're here we know it's uh, nominated for best picture that's why we're doing this episode it wins best supporting actor uh, michael kane wins best adapted screenplay nominated also for best director uh, for art direction and for editing uh, i do believe and the editing one i i, I get it because I, I like i said i really like that sort of cross-cut scene that they do and that's uh yeah the other ones though hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But let's go over the major categories. Best picture, we're going to leave to the end of this series. We've got a few weeks. We're going to go into that. Somehow I don't see this one placing high. Best director. So Sam Mendes wins for American Beauty. Spike Jones nominated for Being John Malkovich. Lassie Hallstrom for The Cider House Rules. Michael Mann for The Insider. M. Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. There are other directors from this year that I would put in over Lassie Hallstrom. And I would absolutely not be like David Fincher for Fight Club is not fucking nominated this year. 100% agree with you. You know, like the Wachowskis are not nominated for directing The Matrix. Yep. It's, it's, it's out, outrageous. Thanks, Harvey. Best actor, Kevin Spacey wins for American Beauty. Russell Crowe's nominated for The Insider. Richard Farnsworth in The Straight Story. Sean Penn in Sweet and Lowdown. And Denzel Washington for The Hurricane. Uh, I, I mean, I yeah, I no, Toby, Toby. Yeah, no, no, Toby for this one. No, so he's he's good in some stuff, but for God's sake, he was better than Pleasantville than in this movie. Oh, one hundred percent. Pleasantville is fucking ten times the movie. This movie is. Agreed. Agreed. Do we want to look at, not necessarily putting her in, but do we want to look at at best actress or best supporting for Shirley's or for for Erica Badu for that matter? Uh, personally, I, I don't think either of them deserve a spot in either category. Do we? Let's go over one of them though let's say let's go over best if supporting anything actor. Best, yeah best supporting actor. best supporting okay so best supporting actor angelina jolie wins for girl interrupted tony collette in the sixth sense Catherine keener and being john malkovich samantha morton and sweet and lowdown and chloe sevigny in boys don't cry yeah I, i'm i'm not gonna make the case for her here the, of the performances i've seen in this category hmm. uh I, i'd put them all over uh both uh, charlie's and if Erica Badu had more stuff to do in this movie, we I think about it, but or or even if that if that scene was in there when she stabbed her father, I mean that could have made, sure give her something you know something yeah. so best supporting actor, it wins. Michael Caine wins for this movie. I think he just he I think Harvey got him nominated, and there's like oh Michael Caine, you know because was, was it like he never won one and this was like the time maybe I don't get it I don't get why uh, he won this category. Yeah, he won for Hannah and her sisters in 1987. Yeah, so he'd already been... won. But let's let me go through the category and maybe like we can figure out why. Because Tom Cruise is nominated for Magnolia, 
Michael Clark Duncan, our buddy from last week for the Green Mile, Jude Law and talented Mr. Ripley, and Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. I, I, the only thing I can think of is that they looked at this and they were like, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. He's a big star. He doesn't need it. Michael Clark Duncan, brand new on the scene. Haley Joel Osment, a child. Jude Law, brand new on the scene. Maybe, that, maybe yeah. that's what I like. Out of those five, out of those five, Michael Clark Duncan takes it. We'll have the discussion next week when we do the sixth sense. Yeah. I because mean, I think I think it's to me of those five, toss up between Michael Clark Duncan and Haley Joel Osment. The other ones that you know it it wins adapted screenplay or what would become adapted screenplay over the Green Mile, over Election, over the um, over the Insider, over Talented Mr. Ripley. I mean, I'd put I'd put Green Mile above this. Yeah, I would too. But yeah, very strange year. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, this 99, much like 94 is a year that we're going to keep coming back to because even movies that we didn't mention last week, that wouldn't necessarily be, you know, Oscar, traditional Oscar contenders, like the mummy comes out, right. You know, star Wars episode one comes out. I think we did mention that last week, but you know, we'll, we'll definitely have an episode where that Sleepy Hollow comes out. It's like interesting at least. You're going to make me watch The Phantom Menace again? We're going to do every Star Wars movie, and oh, I think boy. you know that. Oh, man. There, Me- there's At least spare me Phantom Menace until I'm no, 70, Rick. We're going to fucking do it. We're going to do gonna every do movie. The, I know we're doing we're every doing movie. Every every made, just, just give me like 40 movie years for Phantom Menace. Ever made. Come on, man. I mean, if anything, we'll watch the last 10 minutes of Phantom Menace. That's the whole movie. Now, this is pod racing. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the Oscars. Now, Derek, I'm going to ask you to do something here. Please don't. I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe the hardest thing I've ever asked you to do. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and I need you to sell me. Sell me like your fucking Ric Flair in 1989. Ooh, good year for Rick. Sell me like your Brian Danielson whenever he has a match. Oh, Daniel boy. Bryan, last, whatever they're calling him now. Last night. Ben Didn't watch it match. yet. Didn't watch oh, it yet. Oh, boy. I'm Come sure on. it's a great match. Because he only has great matches. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and you're going to sell like fucking Ricky Morton that this is. I'm going to sell like Ziggler right now. You're going to sell like fucking Mr. Perfect and Dolph Ziggler's love child. <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to. Dolph Perfect. Mr. Dolph, Ziggler. Yeah. We're going to put 30 seconds on the clock, as we do every week. And you're going to sell us on the idea that the Cider House Rules is not only a good movie, but the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? No. Too goddamn bad. Three, two, one, go. Is this the sleeper of 1999? Is this the one that you forget about? I didn't even know this movie a couple, a couple weeks ago. But the Cider House Rules does some things really well. And, it, and, I, and I will say that if you want to watch a movie about pro-choice and pushing that and uh, some really fine character work with Delroy Lindo, who you might not even know, I would really recommend this movie. I think uh, it deserves a good watch. I think it's, uh, it's a movie that exists. And I think that the, uh, the Cider House doesn't suck. Time. Cider House Rules. <laughs> I really wish this movie was better so I could have come in like the Cider House rules. It, but it, it, it just it, doesn't. It, it honestly, honestly, I think this is like a, this for me is like a B minus movie. Yeah, I agree. It's, I, I didn't hate it. And yeah, we were, we were rough on it just because of the quality of movies we've done, you know, on this, on this show, it just doesn't necessarily stack up. Right. But it's we, fine. We, we've done like the Shawshank Redemption and then we've done this movie. You know, I, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming there's a reason why none of us, have, neither of us, have heard the heard heard. Did you hear this movie? I've heard of it. I'd, I'd heard, heard of it. it. I I definitely known like the you know Good Night You Princes of Maine, You Kings of New England. You know, I I had heard that before. I knew Michael Caine won the Oscar for it just because I you know I I knew it was just a weird choice because it's like oh like one of the more well known performances didn't win. That's that's weird. But there there are just some years that like when I hear an actor won and I'm like how. Did that actor beat out this actor? And one Harvey of those Weinstein. times, Harvey Weinstein. One of those times yeah. is in 2006 yeah. when Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine beat out Eddie Murphy in Dreamgirls. It was like the most, and, and I did hear that once the name was called, Eddie Murphy stood up out of his chair and left. I can't believe that that happened. But anyways, that, we'll that was there. probably a case of like, because 
the Oscars are not necessarily a like meritocracy, you know, it's as much as they should be. And as much as we're trying to work to correct that on this show, it's so many times you you have people who like run campaigns, like run Oscar campaigns, like they're running for president. So it is a bizarre one, but yeah, that was the cider house rules more like the cider house is okay. We are continuing our journey next week into the Best Picture nominees from the Oscar ceremony of the year 2000 with what I'm really looking forward to, The Sixth Sense. Never saw it. I'm excited. You've never seen it? Never saw it. Never saw the movie. Uh, I know what happens at the end because, of course, it came out you know, 22 years sure. ago. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm typically not um, – and I can't even say that. I just have never seen it. I've never had a chance to. Never really had a desire to, I guess, but now I have to, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing it because it's more than just the twist. Excellent. It's, I think it's, I think it's, I think we're really going to have a lot of fun with this. Good. So join us next week. Uh, well, actually before you join us next week, join my co-host Derek Smith on his podcast, the greatest album of all time. Derek, what do you have coming up this week? So again, timelines get a little bit miscued. Um, we, I mean, if, if, if you're following along, uh, I guess the, the last one, well, I just put out an episode on Sunday, um, I guess March 21st, uh, and that was Kid A by Radiohead, and that was uh, the first album we've done in the 2000s, so that was kind of fun, and Gia and I dissected that one. Uh, it's a very interesting album. It's a, a lot of critics thought it was uh, uh, music suicide after coming off of OK Computer, which is a very successful rock album. Um, but yeah, we did that one. Next week, we're doing the debut album of The Doors. And we're excited about that one. It's one of my favorites of all time. And, uh, and then after that, I believe we have a guest on, uh, a friend of mine, Juliana. We're doing Led Zeppelin 2. And we're trucking along. We're going to have Rick on soon. We're just going to get back into the 90s to have his album on there. And uh, we're holding off a little bit because I, I like to – at first, I wanted to have Rick on right away. And I figure, you know what? I kind of like holding off a little bit so it's exciting. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're going to do it and we're going to yeah. have fun with it. I, I, and we're doing, we're doing a, a live album, which is bizarre. So It'll be yeah. interesting. It's a conversation I want to have with you guys. It'll be, it'll yes. be fun. Yep. So check that one out. Check us out. Greatest movie of all time podcast. Find us on social media. We're, we're here for you. We want to hear from you. So as always, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, the British now, Derek's Derek. I'm just Derek. See, you missed it, and I'm going to tell you because you were Gaby so close. Boy Smith, yeah. No, dynamite, no. Derek Smith. Uh, I did. I did that before, and you made fun of me for saying it. I mean, yeah, that sounds like me. See, I get one up on you for, for this one time. Derek Boy Smith would have been good too. <laughs> Derek Boy, <laughs> De- the British bulldog, Derek Boy Smith. <laughs> yes. Yep. You can't use it now. No, that's I, I lost out on that one. Yep. Anyway. Keep watching, everybody.